0: Like I only know a few visual novels firsthand. Um, and I think but I do think there's a lot of interesting potential with that. Um, and Steve, like this is something you've been like pretty into, it seems like. So I'm I'm kinda curious to find out um, more of your thinking on on that now. Um yeah, sure. it's been a few years since you sent me uh, Ghost Trick and 999. I mean, that's like, yeah, many years ago now, right?
1: Uh, yeah. I want to say I probably sent those and VLR 2013. So yeah, that's like seven years ago. Um, Holy cow! Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you know, after playing um, AI um, again, I just find it very interesting. The opp like like we were just talking about the opportunities that present themselves in terms of like a more engaging story where it's like a choose your own adventure path um or it, like the bander snatch would again like that doesn't it doesn't work in that medium like i think video games present like a very unique medium um and, and gives opportunities um for creators to create really engaging and interesting stories um, and I think it's actually kind of interesting if you just look at the Zero Escape series as a whole, because you have three very different games, especially in terms of even just the storytelling. Yeah. Nine Nine Nine, you had more of the cartoon kind of sprite artwork. Um, not a lot of movement. You know, they had like different expressions, um, but it, there was no v- voice acting. Um, there was no movies that were playing with it, so it, it was. Kind of more like a picture book with like a a, you know choose your own adventure, and then VOR, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of went to those crappy weird graphics. I don't even know what you would call those. Um, But it it became more like a movie at at portions, but it was still more of a game. And then I I feel like uh, shit, uh, zero time dilemma, having like too many movies, and it was like I I don't know, it was kind of like muddying the waters. I and I'm now that i'm thinking about it i don't know which one i prefer the most i mean i think 999 and again i it might have just been because i experienced that first and so like it was like oh wow this is great this is a new thing but yeah i mm-hmm. felt like that one was the most engaging for me because i guess i had to actively participate the most in it mm-hmm.
2: uh, yeah i think and I, then after, go
1: ahead. yeah well and then i was just going to say you know i i started Looking into this, and there's like a broad spectrum, and so I started playing. St- in terms of like the interact, interact, uh, so I started playing Steins Gate Elite, and I was telling West this, like I'm two hours into the freaking game, and like I've made one decision, right? Um, and I've and I've so basically I'm just pressing A the whole time, and I'll go. Why am I not? Why am I just just like watching this as a movie? Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, at a certain point, so I think pulled away oh. for his five minutes.
2: Sorry, uh, no, my my internet. Apparently cut out for a second so uh unfortunately i missed all of the last like minute and a half or so possibly more I well I,
1: I you know honestly i don't know what i was saying you might actually that might actually be fortunately <laughs> <you.
2: laughs> edit by god um but yeah that's cool what was your question
0: i i was just since you weren't talking but it seemed like you were about to talk right, right. before that, that i was like what were you going to say? That's all I, that's all I asked.
2: <laughs> yeah, I actually really connected with VLR um, in, in the series. Like, I, I liked 999. I found it really engaging. It, it threw me at one point because I, for dumb luck or whatever reason, I picked the right path the first time. Um, LAUGHTER and as a result, it wouldn't let me, lock, like, it locked me out. Like, I, you get to that chest thing where you're supposed to know the combination oh, of okay. prior right. runs. And I was like, ooh, that looks important. And then it was like, roll credits. And I was like, okay, um, that's awkward. Um, so then I play through the, the next game, and I go to the other places, and I unlock the information, you know, other, other relevant information. Um, and I'm like, okay. So we did that and I guess I should explore the other route and it was like you're making all of the worst choices and like they're all obviously a bad call and like at one point I like broke into the room where the murder had taken place at the wrong time and like at the end of my run everybody got murdered. Like it was just very disheartening that I had played the game three times through to see everything, and I was being punished for it. Um, yeah, so, I
1: definitely had to look up how to like complete that game. It, it did not come naturally no. to me, and I think it was like after the fifth time, beginning and ending that was similar to the other ones I had gotten. I'm like, all right, I need to look this up, which then obviously, like, inadvertent spoilers. But anyway.
2: But VLR, I found so interesting because, you know, because the way they tell that story, because it is intentional, you have to go back and explore the other options and can do that within the context of the game instead of literally, like, starting it from scratch and going all the way through. Um, And then Mm -hmm. they, they made that mechanical element, like the fact that, you know, you were in fact jumping through time and you were, you know, in this, like, I thought it was just, it was one of the best science fiction stories I've ever encountered, like on top of being a video game, which is pretty rare, like, you know, as good as video game stories get, it's, it's pretty rare that they're up to the level of, you know, a top notch science fiction novel or a good movie. Um, but that's how I was like, wow, this just like the execution was good. It was tied in with the mechanics. Like that to me was, you know, everything that a visual novel can and should do. Um, like it was inventive. It was, it was new and refreshing. It was, you know, rich and engaging. Uh, it was nuanced and like it fired my imagination. Like that it was a really good experience. Um,
1: yeah, i I agree with that um one hundred percent and I think it it's inter- you know, it should be pointed out that like I can't think of another medium in which that storytelling would actually work yeah uh, i I don't think that you could do that in a book and you I don't think that you could do that in a, it's like video games is the perfect in between the two that you can pull that off and it makes sense and like it, it's a good experience
2: yeah. Like, I think the closest I've seen in another medium is when I was reading House of Leaves and the act of turning pages became a plot point. Um, like, but that turns a book into a video game, essentially. Like, it yeah. it transcends the boundaries of the genre. Um, so, you know, again, it's kind of porous there. And I think that's what makes visual novels so interesting is because they do have a foot in more traditional narrative storytelling camps—they are one part book and one part video game, or one part movie and one part video game. Um, and you know, in in preparation for for our discussion, because I knew that we were going to talk about it, I sort of went through my library to see if I could like track down all the the visual novels I'd either played or or you know encountered, want to play, whatever. Um, and I came with a fairly substantial list like it was one of those where when you think about it it's a bigger genre than you might appreciate um like Mm -hmm. i think the first visual novel i ever played was one of the phoenix wright games like justice for all where where, you know objection and you're like solving the mystery (laughs) as you go um and i was thinking of like persona three and four and five are all structured like a visual novel but with an rpg layered on top of it um, and then you've got like all the dating simulators, and you've got like the the sort of weird subgenre of of games that are are like intentionally using social media as your mechanic, like uh, a red shirt where you're like basically playing Facebook on the Starship Enterprise and making friends with all the people who then die on away missions. Um, <laughs> like th- there's there's a lot of sort of directions that the visual novel expands to. Um, And while I definitely do not wanna like downplay how awesome um, Spike Chunsoft, especially in the Zero Escape trilogy is doing, like they're definitely pushing boundaries in ways that most of these are just not, Um, especially with like the approach to storytelling. And again, that sort of looping structure where you go back and see the same thing over and change your your decision process, like how crucial your decision making becomes. Um mm-hmm. I do see a lot of really interesting things that are happening with the sort of subgenre, just like especially when you sort of like reevaluate and think about, you know, what constitutes a visual novel. Um mm-hmm. like Again, as always, the boundaries are porous. So you know you get closer with some things and farther with others, and push boundaries in some cases and retain them for interesting results in, in other cases. Um, so, cool. are there any others outside of Spike Chunsoft that you've run into? I guess is the first question I want to ask. Like, what what other other visual novels have you encountered and played?
1: Yeah. So I mean, again, I. Uh... It's. I think it's hard to defi- define exactly what a visual novel is, but I guess Ghost Trick. Yeah. I would consider that one, and then I've played a couple. I, I haven't finished, but uh, the Professor Layton games, and okay. then I did play the Professor Layton Ace Attorney crossover on the nice. 3DS, um, which actually was it, was it was a very charming, interesting story. I mean, it was obviously it wasn't the um, same level of maturity as like a VLR. Or nine nine nine, or the other Spike Chunsoft games, but it was still a, an interesting, engaging plot um, that that made me want to finish to like finish the story. Which, I guess, growing up, I played games to complete them, right? Um, in term to get that sense of accomplishment, like, yes, I, I did it. Like,
2: yep, I got all the but, heart pieces. I, you know, found all the mushrooms. Like, yep.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I got all. Yeah, I got all the power ups. Like I can go and crush the boss in like two seconds now. I'm way overpowered, especially trying to get the uh, secret weapons in the uh, in Earthbound. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, by the time you actually got any of those, like you would be so overpowered that it is completely unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: Not worth it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the visual novels was the first time. I've I had like an emotional kind of response to a video game. The same, you know, when I when I read where the red fern grows in middle school, um, or you know, when you watch like a movie and it's like, yeah, I guess it's the first time I really had like an emotional attachment to, to the story yeah. and the character.
0: Yeah, I I think we should pick up on that. Then let's take a take an interlude here. Okay. If y'all are feeling like talking a bit more, let's reconvene in in the other in, in the new year. Yep. All like, right. I will pause on, on my end. Uh... Okie dokie. Um, I was curious about that, like as it relates to the question of like what a visual novel is. I wonder if it has to do with the way that it like in involves the player's uh, imagination. Maybe a little bit more than uh, other kinds of games, which, um, you know, you're more involved in, like, paying close attention and uh, physically, like, pushing the buttons a certain way or or whatever it is, right? Like, um, doing the gameplay stuff. Um, So maybe you're less invested as a result, like, you just only have so much mental base that you can give to a game. And so, like, this is my rough theory about that, I guess, is that, like, games that are a little bit more story-driven, there's there's more of your attention that's that's paid to that, and so you're gonna get more of that sort of emotional impact from them. Um, But I guess, you know, the obvious retort to that would be, like, a game that has a lot of, uh, you know, very precise gameplay. Um, can certainly cause plenty of like frustration, right or like other like kinds Triumph of um, for... yeah, right. which are which are totally valid as emotional payoff. so I, I don't know, like I'm not sure that I have a good grasp on why that might be at um yeah, it seems like it has some validity, but but only so far. That yeah. was a question
2: that I was very much thinking about as I was sort of like, reviewing my collection and trying to figure out, you know, what was a visual novel and what wasn't and where were the lines. Um, and the like the line that I kept bumping into was, where do you separate visual novels from adventure games? Because um, again, both are typically story-driven, both usually have like dialogue options and consequences, you know, and then you get into like CRPGs and stuff like that. Um, but the, the sort of conclusion I came to was, um, adventure games and other kinds of games in general have you primarily interacting with the world, the environment um, so like in a platformer you're trying to navigate the space in an open world game like Breath of the Wild you're trying to you know take your cues and understand the, the landscape, the world um, and even mm-hmm. in an adventure game which has a lot in common with the visual novel the primary distinction is in an adventure game, you spend substantial amounts of time wandering around a space, like clicking on the things and trying to figure out what you can pick up and what to put and what in order to progress. Um, yeah. Whereas a visual novel instead focuses on the characters. Um, and I think in its purest form, like and, and that's kind of what makes the visual novel so successful as a subgenre, I think, is the fact that it cuts out more than it leaves in. Um, Like, it puts the focus squarely on those characters. So, like, if you're playing an adventure game, like even a good adventure game, like Secret of Monkey Island or one of the the Blackwell games, basically it's like, okay, here is some plot, here is some character development, now solve this puzzle and we'll give you more plot and more character development. Um, And visual novels, as a rule, will cut out the puzzle will be like, let's just do plot and character development the whole game, and let's have the decisions affect the outcome of these these things, but let's have that be way downplayed. Um, So a game like 999 or VLR kind of plays with that boundary, because, you know, there are very specific, you know, visual novel sections, like here are all of our characters talking, here are you making making important decisions in your dialogue and then it's everything stops and it's like escape the room or uh, everything stops (laughs) and it's figure out what's going on in this dream in AI. Um, So I I think that's kind of, that's as close to a line as I can come up with. Um, And the, the clear advantage here is because you are not nearly as focused on the environment as you would be in other more traditional types of games, it gives you a chance to zero in on the characters, to really get invested in their interactions, at least in part because, you know, you're actually engaged in them. Like, your choices will affect whether or not a given character lives or dies, whether or not a given character likes you or dislikes you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I think that's, that's sort of, like, even if it's kind of rough and again porous um, I, I think that's as good a, a delineation of the subgenre as as I'm likely to come up with anyway um, and again like there are frequently mechanics in a visual novel like one, one of the visual novels that I've spent a good amount of time with was a game called Long live the Queen. Um, where you've got a fairly robust RPG system underlying the visual novel, like your, your, your primary way of engaging with the world is still you're talking to people, you're making decisions on a day-to-day basis, but like there's all these statistics under the hood, like are you good at leadership, are you good at diplomacy, um, are you, you know, athletic? Um, and then you'll come up against some trial, like all of a sudden the castle is invaded, and now you have to put your skills to the test. Are you, you know, prepared enough for this trial, or do you get deposed, killed, or whatever? Um, but it's all again under the hood. Like at no point are you, you know, fighting in a typical RPG setting where you're like choosing your options from drop-down menus. Um, instead it's you know you're deciding what to do on a day-to-day basis Um, and even like the dating sims again even if there's some mechanic underlying it at the end of the day the way that you activate those mechanics the way that you engage with them is in conversation with characters and sort of you know Engaging with the the characters rather than the world. You don't have a list of options to make yourself more appealing to one character or another Instead you got to make your choice on the fly. What does this character want? Can I give it to them? If not, you know, maybe I should date somebody else like That's sort of the primary way that you, you work in those spaces It's the people who are the mechanics instead of the world, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, and the way that I think about that is like um, everything in the game is a person yeah. in, in some sense uh, that you're like in a relationship with, or uh, perhaps struggling against, or or whatever, and you're and you're learning more about them uh, as the game unfolds, right? Um, I think to the extent that uh, open world games do give you an emotional impact, it's probably mostly because of the um, the world sort of taking on a personality of its own, right? Having a feel, having a, a kind of character to it um, and seem, seeming alive and real yeah. uh, and maybe it's like anthropomorphizing in a way, but, uh, but still, I feel like that's probably, you know, it probably is accounting for the, some of the popularity of those games, right? This, this kind of need to feel connected to the world. Um, and, you know, in visual novels, it's, Getting to feel connected to to, to other people. characters,
2: yeah, yeah. Which I think you know brings up some fairly strange and interesting consequences. Like one of the one of the things that I learned fairly quickly about hanging around in visual novel space is it gets weird. Um, <laughs> like one of the first visual novels that I sort of appreciated as a visual novel was a great little game that came out a few years ago called Valhalla. Um, it was a bartending simulator where you are like a bartender in this cyberpunk bar and all these random people just show up to talk to you and the primary way that you engage with them is you make drinks for them and you can like make them the drink that they want or you can make them a different drink or maybe you know them better than they think and you give them the drink they actually want even though they don't know it um which i thought was a really fascinating mechanic at first um, and, and the, like the game itself was really well written the characters were really well realized even the world that like you get those snapshot glimpses through their daily lives like it was interesting but the more i came to research it the more i discovered that there's this whole sort of subgenre of visual novels um that circulates around forming relationships with female characters that you then become <laughs> profoundly attached to um and in japanese culture you call them waifus because they are designed to be your wife um like for for young men who cannot form an actual social attachment with an actual human woman these are stand-ins um which again you get into some real interesting cultural differences there um but like this became a bit of a problem. Like once Steam recognized that I had really enjoyed this one game, all of a sudden all of these recommendations kept popping up in my in my like Steam queue, all these games that are very obviously dating sims, very obviously visual novels that focus on this waifu mechanic and like feature nudity, so yeah, I don't even know, um, to the point that like trying to do a little research on visual novels, um, I like, asked Steam to bring up like the entire list organized according to rating of all of what had been tagged as visual novels and due to my preferences something like 1,500 out of 4,500 games were excluded because I typically rule out nudity um as an option when Steam recommends games to me um so like a full quarter of these games featured nudity in some way um So, you know, not to become too prurient here, but I do think it's an interesting phenomenon that, like, these two media seem to be developing in parallel with one another. Um, Like, for the same reasons that we become emotionally attached to the characters at 999 or VLR um, or, you know, like the characters in my little bartending simulator, um, people really do become attached to these characters in ways more profound and more powerful um to the point that they actually do see them as as real people um if not human
0: um yeah so that's no but that seems like a that seems like an extreme form um almost like jumping over imagination entirely and just like making it literal right it's like it it comes around the other side again yeah to a kind of um yeah uh well, I don't know. Like you said, there's there's probably a lot of cultural and um, other stuff going on there that you have to really dig into um, to understand better. But just the num- the sheer numbers are, are pretty wild there. Yes. Um,
2: and it, it also kind of informs, you know, like we were talking a little bit ago about, you know, AI and how it's a little strangely sexual at places and sort of off putting. But, you know, reading it in the light of this is what the culture expects, it's more forgivable, I think. Like, this this isn't something strange. Like, it, it's not like the game is itself, you know, deliberately becoming pornographic. This is a genre convention. Um, as right. much as, you know, having gangsters in a, in a like, uh, in a detective story or, you know, having supervillains in a spy movie, you have attractive Quasi naked women in your visual novel, um, for better or worse. Uh, it's
0: just part of the, the deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and I think, again, it seems like um, the kinds of striking images that go with these games, well, they tend to be um, violent, right? Uh, in the case of the 999 series, um, but also. Uh, sexual, but also, like, intellectually stimulating and, like, striking. sort they, they just sort of, like, throw together a lot of arcane and, and strange knowledge, um, and it just sort of, uh, is assembled into this, this, like, web of, um, you know, kind of conspiracy stuff, but, but super interesting, and, like, uh, it, it definitely helps draw you in, I think, to, um, to the to the world that that game's creating and and the kinds of problems the characters have in it so Mm -hmm. yeah uh i think yeah the aesthetics uh are of are of a piece with a lot of the rest of what's going on in in these games so uh yeah so steve um in your in your researches and whatnot um have you found that uh there's like a range of um i don't know uh, of Of takes on this um basic formula or um do do you are you equally like drawn to different kinds of visual novels or or what is it about them do you think that that has kind of uh uh captured you captured your attention
1: well i I think um well when i first proposed the subject so i was like okay well no, I need to like learn like what technically is a visual novel. Um, and so then I'm like reading the Wikipedia on that and they're like, oh well visual novels in America, it's a bit of like that kind of encapsulates these action games that aren't like technically visual novels, but whatever, the classification is probably more like art than science anyway. But then I'm like reading and it says, yeah, a lot of one of the tropes for these like nine 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 type games is, Oh, you have this like time travel with like different paths and stuff. So that ended up just kind of being a trope um, that was replicated. And I, I had a similar reaction the first time I played VLR at Venom. I'm like, oh my God, like this is mind blowing. Like I've never experienced it this way. Um, but then it's based on my research, it seems like that might be like a pretty common thing happening. <laughs> that that's not the takeaway from like how VLR executed it, but um, just to like go like oh wow like okay so this is like a kind of like a common thing and i'm just like discovering it and you know kind of like christopher columbus i'm like oh man like this is great like i discovered you know all this great land and it's like nah man like people have been living here forever like you're just like <laughs> oh so, um after that i got a bit dejected to be honest because uh, you know i was like oh so this is like kind of like a common thing it lost a little bit of its luster i guess uh, but it does seem that the visual novel is definitely more of a Japanese-based. Cut. They're the ones who are producing the games. It's kind of like a JRPG, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and those have their own kind of tropes, and they have their women that follow certain tropes. And yes, it does seem that um, the the emotional connection. Uh, and the relationships that the Japanese games are trying to cultivate um, are, are not to my Western sensibilities. I'm going to try to say that as uh, yeah. <laughs> lightly as I can without you know judging, but like
2: yeah.
1: not being too judgmental. Um, it, it's it's actually to the point I think where you know being a, being a weeabo, I think that's how you pronounce it, but mm-hmm. you know an American obsessed with like Japanese culture it, it such like has such a negative connotation that I'm immediately turned off to anything that's even considers that like I was tell I was talking to a friend the other day about like AI um and I'm like caveating it and I'm like yeah it's a little weird it's like very japanese um you know it, it's it's has its faults and i'm like trying to like defend myself and this guy he has no idea what the hell the game i'm talking about is um and he's never going to look into it so i'm getting a little bit derailed here of what your initial point was but i guess from what i can see 999 vlr the the zero escape games are pretty par for the course in terms of um the, the base that they're trying to reach. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of variety when it comes to um, visual novels, at least not the ones that, I, that I'm looking into.
2: Yeah, a lot of the ones that I'm seeing that are sort of changing the formula and pushing the boundaries are coming from the West, I admit. Like, again, because of my, you know, prud- er, prudishness and my steam recommendations filtering out nudity. I'm, I'm not seeing nearly as much of the cool stuff happening over in Japan, although I know that they are playing with that formula. Um, like uh, one of the games that was making a bit of a stir um, a few years ago was Hatoful Boyfriend, which takes the the typical visual novel um, approach, like the, the, the dating sim Um, with the waifu and totally lampoons it by turning all the girls into pigeons Um, so like you are this pigeon obsessed young man uh, and it is up to you to decide which of the pigeons you're going to fall in love with Um, and there was (laughs) uh, there was another one uh, I think it was like that same year or somewhere in the same vicinity that they released uh, Doki Doki Literature Club which was apparently like a very typical like school kid based visual novel that then turned into like a lynchian psycho horror drama by the end of it. Like it started breaking its own rules. And I, I haven't played it. I only know it by reputation, um, but it was absolutely marketed as though it was just another visual novel. And it had this like crazy like subversion uh, hiding under the surface and um, So it's obvious that even those tropes are being tested and are being pushed, like as is the case with any entrenched genre, once people start falling in love with it, you will see people start to move it in weird and unexpected directions. Um, So I I know that it's happening. I'm just like not sitting in the front seat on this one, I'm afraid for various reasons. Uh, What I have seen in the West um, is a lot of people starting to use this formula to, to sort of like, again, bridge that gap between adventure games to sort of see what you can do with dialogue as a tool, um, like as a mechanic um, and, and you know focusing on those character interactions, but also seeing like what sort of framework you can build around those character interactions. Um, So Mike Bithell, the creator of Thomas Was Alone and Volume, um, released two small games in a row called Subsurface Circular and Quarantine Circular, which are both very much visual novels in their own right, even though they kind of changed the aesthetic fairly radically. But in both cases, it's all about like uncovering secrets hidden information that other characters don't want you to know we're navigating a very sophisticated and complicated social situation uh, like in Quarantine Circular you have this alien from another world who has like land, landed and been quarantined on this like basically aircraft carrier and it becomes this you know, you play as multiple characters trying to break the linguistic divide, understand what, his, what this alien's purposes are, and try and understand, try and, like, come up with an equitable solution for everyone involved. Um, and it's tense. Like, you don't, your words matter because, you know, one false step, one undiplomatic statement, and everyone's mad at you. Um, You make the wrong choice in a conversation and it means the difference between, you know, interstellar war and peace. Um, So, you know, it it sort of has that Tarantino-esque quality where like it's just five people sitting in a room, but it's just ratcheting up the tension with every progressive minute until you know it's going to explode. Um, Likewise, I've seen um, games that, that play with the way that you interact with other people um like her story came out a few years ago and it was structured as um like you are sifting through the archived videos of police interviews of this one woman um, basically being interrogated and you have to sort of piece together what happened by like using this archaic database um and trying to like find the various, uh, videos in order, um, rather than, you know, like actually being able to talk to this person directly. Um, which again, like it's, it's really interesting. You get invested in this person. It's all FMV, like actual actress sitting at a table, um, talking to the camera. and, you know, it's not a visual novel in the traditional sense by any ima- stretch of the imagination. There's no text besides like the search words, but it has the same effect. Um, like you are deeply engaging with this person and you're trying to solve the person rather than the world or the environment. Um, so, mm-hmm. so you know, there's a lot of cool stuff happening there, um, even if it's not traditionally visual novel-ish but I, I think there's there are some really interesting places that people are bringing this genre and sort of moving it um, in addition to sort of the established genres of the deliberate subversions of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, the, the kind of fringe of this conversation I think is um, stuff like interactive fiction. Yeah. Right, which got a pretty long tradition um, and again, it's hard to separate maybe from just you know weird literature stuff and experimental stuff but uh, when you when you use computers to do it apparently it's it's different and so um, things that uh, people do for artistic or political statements you know um, obviously are not going to become terribly popular uh, and they, they might not have the kind of production value that a lot of these games do but um I think there's probably quite a lot of interesting stuff out there. I, I don't know much about that scene. I just know it exists and uh, people get kind of, kind of into it. So, um,
2: but I think that's, yeah, just, that's what's really great about it. Like, it's encouraging you know, writers, like good writers to put their writing front and center and also to sort mm-hmm. of explore what even that can do. Like you know, with hypertext novels where you know, the, the book will change as you read it online. Um, yeah. or, you know, it's, it's a pretty logical jump to see how this translates to the video game medium. Like, if anything, they were neighbors to start with. Um, and, you know, video game writing has often been fairly rightfully lambasted. Like, you know, video game writing is often terrible um, for one reason or another. Here is a really great chance to sort of correct that, Especially because, you know, video gaming started as text based adventure games with like Zork and, you know, the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and games that required description because they couldn't provide images. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, it is a return to roots in that sense. And I, I think it's it's a powerful invocation. Like it reminds us how potent the written word can actually be, either because it's creating a character, as we're talking about here, or in the sense that like, it can create an entire world, as, as some of those older versions were, although you'd be remiss to call them a visual novel in that sense.
0: Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, the visual uh, has certainly gained ascendancy in some ways, but I, I agree that the writing remains pretty prominent um and I wonder like what is is the uh most popular game that could be called a visual novel even if it's a stretch like would it be one of those persona games i know they kind of caught on pretty recently um yeah. or what what's the best visual novel style game out there <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um, Persona's probably up there. I know both Persona 4 and 5 have, have solid followings, and, and 5 picked up a lot of steam. Um, mm. I would... Like, I know 999 and VLR and the Zero Escape franchise, as well as, um, like, Danganronpa and, and Steinsky have also got, you know, pretty solid followings, but they are still niche in their own right. Like, you know, Persona 5 has enough gameplay that it brought a lot of mainstream gamers to a, to the game, even though so much of it is very typical visual novel. Um,
1: so, I think Ace to like in terms yeah. of mainstream. If you, oh, yeah. Visual, yeah. Um, that's pro. But again, like, I'm not even sure. Uh, To me, that's more on the fringes of like what I would even consider a visual novel. I don't know. It's usually Um,
2: like lumped in there. I mean, and and it was, and it you know it has all the qualities like it's focused on the character rather than the world. You your primary way of interacting with people is with those you know pointed questions. And when do you make the objection? When have you pinned them to the wall with the evidence? Uh, But again, you always (laughs) get the evidence. By looking around, or by like interrogating people and talking, like seeing, you know what you can tell people to give you or to do. Um, So I I would totally put it in that category, and it is well traveled. Like that's another one that it's probably the most widely known traditional visual novel. Yeah,
1: I, I think it's definitely the most mainstream. I mean, I think for most, for anyone who. Has played games in the past 10 years. I think if you did like made an objection joke in the same family, you would understand what you're doing. Because, like, that I think that game has actually permeated like the
0: mainstream. Yes. Where maybe not everybody's
2: played it, but everybody knows it. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Uh, So the Ace Attorney games, I've never played any of those, but yeah, somehow they are definitely. Prominent in my mind, like I know about them, and I don't know why. Yeah, well, it just yeah.
1: I mean, I guess you're a perfect
0: example of it. Yeah. But
1: to give you some background, like AI, the, the game that you're playing right now. Yeah, I think that that is more in line with like an Ace Attorney style way of telling, where you're driving back to different, you know, uh, locations and like investigating and like talking to people there. Um, so it, the the game plays very reminiscent. Yeah. Uh, AI is like very reminiscent of Ace Attorney, minus the courtroom scenes.
2: Yes, court. for what it's worth, the Ace Attorney games just got a re-release. Like all three of the the first ones, the original Ace Attorney, Justice for All, and I forget the name of the third. Um, they all got a remaster, which you can get. I want to say on Switch, PC, basically anything. Maybe worth tracking down if you are interested in following up because they are worth it. Like, they're they're a bit hit or miss here or there, but they were always just interesting to play. And it is like, there's nothing quite as satisfying as, you know, watching some obvious villain sweat as you pin into the wall with clever questions. Um, And the animation is great too. Like, I feel like that's one thing we haven't talked about that much with the, the visual novels um, mm-hmm. you know a lot of it has to do with how are the characters presented um, and one of the great things about the ace attorney games like one of the things that really put them on the map was they did so much with so little um, like if you were in like interrogating your, your villain the culprit the murderer or the you know fraudster whatever it was um, they would have like an animation where they would feel dominant and confident and they, they would have like this repeating looped gesture where they would like, you know, just be sitting on the witness box, not afraid at all. Um, but then they would break down the more that you would question them. The animation would would like physically change. Um, so there's, like, one particularly great example where there's this guy who's obviously wearing a toupee, um, and when you, like, when you finally get him, when, when you get the, the decisive evidence, his toupee, like, flies up into the air and, like, lands on his face wrong way down, and it's, like, sliding over his head the rest of the interview. Like, it's just a great bit of character work, even though it's only a few frames of animation. Um,
1: yeah and it's also an interesting way i mean you kind of have that in other video games where you're fighting a boss and they'll start to kind of show mm-hmm. right visual signs of them becoming weaker you know the cracks start to show or exactly. they you
2: know it, so it's like the think. glowing spots
1: <laughs> right yeah, exactly and so you know you're on the right path um, as soon as that animation you know, like you said like the ejected or the you know caught with their hand in the cookie jar kind of thing yeah. you, you know you're on the right path
2: and yet, there's a subtlety to it. Like it, it is about recognizing facial expressions, like the, a sort of universal language of of seeing people in a position of power or in a position of disempowerment, feeling stressed or feeling confident, feeling you know happy or feeling sad, like um, feeling masterful or feeling beaten. Like the, it, it's something that the that the visual novel can capture really well because that's where the focus is. Um, like even if it is just those panels where it's like a shot of the face next to the text that they're speaking um, even if it's not rendered in game as it often is you know you you get a sense of the character because more attention is being paid to the expression more than can be in like a big open world game Um, or you know even a big budget rpg like a mass effect or something like because it is so simple, because it is so, like, because it's still 2D, because it's still, you know, in a a very manageable environment, because you don't have to pay attention to all the environmental details or all of these, like, competing mechanics, you get to pay that special attention to expression, to the humanness of these characters, which, again, makes them all that more fun to interact with.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. and uh, dealing with a kind of dramatic moment is one thing, but I, I kind of like the, the small, weird little post in there moments as well, um, which I feel like games reward the player with. Like, as you are going through your line of questioning or whatever, you can sort of find it out fun and interesting things that just, just seem to be there uh, to... I don't know. Add add a, a touch of realism, right? Or or, or whimsy, or, or whatever it is. There's just like a lot of um, it's sh- these games seem to show a lot of uh, craftsmanship in that yes. way. A lot of care and, and love went into them. So well, in the same That's way the same.
2: that you know have lamented the sort of games that are that provide less of a. Uh, catered experience that, that are sort of more open world more service oriented you know visual novels are at the exact opposite extreme like every frame every panel has been carefully and painstakingly prepared um it is very much designed to give you a certain experience instead of letting you create a story for yourself
0: and it's fascinating yeah because these games in a way offer you way more branching stories, right? But they are, like, each one of them and all the ways they connect is, like, very managed at the same time. It's it's an odd kind of paradox, almost.
2: Yeah, like, um, you have total freedom in Breath of the Wild, but at the end of the day, your choices are, do you get the thing or do you not get the thing? It's unmeaningful. <laughs> right. But, like, you play something like, you know, 999 or VLR, and your choices have serious consequences. Um, You know, you don't have to enter that room, but if you don't enter it, maybe something bad will happen, or maybe something good will happen. And, you know, I think what does stand out, like, even more than most of the other visual novels I've run into in in the Zero Escape franchise, is how weighty those decisions actually are. Like, it stresses strongly that you're playing with life and death in every case, like, to the point of almost seeming absurd in some cases, like in VLR, where you know you're you're playing the game that causes you know one team to survive and one team not to, you know one team gains points, one team loses them, and they're that much closer to like all blowing up. Um,
0: what is that called? The liars' dilemma. Or yes,
2: the, it's, the a, it's a variation on the prisoner's dilemma. Yeah, Prisoner's
0: dilemma. Right. Right. Right.
1: Well, what I didn't understand in VLR was why, like, everyone was always so mad when you got to escape and they, like, kept you. But anytime anyone else, like, was able to, it was like, all right, see you. Yeah. Like, you know, when you get out there, you know, it was like, for whatever reason, you were always the bad guy. Um,
2: yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's part of, you know, driving home the weight of those consequences. Like, you, you're not supposed to win until everyone gets out. Um, so making it yeah, specifically yeah. unsatisfying until everybody gets out is you know, part of what keeps the game going
1: yeah and I was talking to Wes the other week about this and you know one of the, the themes that's it, 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 explored in VLR is the fact that like two completely what you would consider like independent actions actually like have a cause and effect mm-hmm. and I think like VLR really good job because we were talking you know theoretically every vote should have four different branching paths right like they both vote ally they both vote betray you know one votes ally the other betray and then vice versa but there's only ever two decisions which really drives home the point that like these two seemingly independent like you actually have your vote actually like somehow affects the vote um, of the person which I thought was like a really interesting way um that that mechanic kind of played into the whole theme of what's going on. Yeah, the, um, the
2: first time you go back and you know you redo the vote and you expect the other team to vote the same way and they don't is so really shocking. Um, like I, I remember doing that. Like I, I first time running through VLR, I, I was always the nice guy. I, I always you know voted to, to be friendly and uh, you were yeah and and there was at least one time that I like voted to be friendly and got screwed and then I would turn around and vote not to be friendly and suddenly they were being friendly and I'm like wait what and you know it, it justifies it in game and it is kind of like cheating mechanically but the fact that they were able to weave that back in like to explain why that was happening to just sort of point out that cause and effect don't work the way they, they, they usually would the way that you usually understand them and that you know your your allies and enemies are getting echoes of your other decisions made in different timelines that was powerful. Like that was something you can only do in a situation like this with a video game that can sort of explore these ideas and, and play with choice um, in a yeah. real sense.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, something I I mentioned to Wes was I think the whole reason why that happened—they didn't have four branching paths—is because the story would get way too complicated oh, sure. and so it was like you know kind of driven by a a restriction of the medium Mm -hmm. but like it the way that they turned that into kind of thematically like it makes sense and it even makes it more powerful i thought was really cool yeah
2: um that's what's really clever about it i think like it, it, it incorporates the limitations of the of the medium back into itself makes it there for a reason. Uh, which, the, that's frequently some of the most fruitful and interesting stories in video game design, is when they do that. Uh, like yeah, and sort of well, kind of I, mean, I think yeah. kind
1: of storytelling, but again, I think, you know, I, I just think it's really interesting how video games avail them, or, you know, give storytellers the opportunity to tell st- these different kinds of stories in, like, such an impactful and engaging way. Yeah. Um, yeah. You if you what's that I was going to say that you know you you can't, you couldn't get by reading a book or watching a movie or it there needed to be this kind of like interactivity um, for it to have the same kind of impact.
0: If, if you were to write a visual novel, what do you suppose you would make it about, or like what would you try to explore uh, with with your new approach?
2: Um, it was, an, <laughs> I had an idea for a visual novel a long time ago, like just to kick one around, and I very much wanted to sort of explore the idea of communication in it, uh-huh. um, to sort of like give the player the ability to, you know, more than just make dialogue choices, but rather to sort of play against an, another character who literally does not understand the language, does not understand what you're talking about and work from like some sort of very basic common linguistic experience to a full-fledged communication. Um, and I have no idea how it would work. Like it's obviously super aggressive and just me, you know, the linguist in me very much speaking out. Um, but I, I think of games... You know, again, thinking way back to like old school adventure games or like Douglas Adams' Starship Titanic, where like you have to talk the bomb out of exploding. Like, <laughs> yeah, there, there's some really cool stuff that was done with some fairly impressive limitations on how you would communicate. Um, and the technology has advanced by leaps and bounds. Like, it, it's surprisingly not all that well explored as far as like, actual algorithmic and evolutionary learning in games, like AIs that actually do speak to you cogently. Um, Like Event Zero did some really cool stuff with it a few years ago, but that was another one that was kind of overlooked. Um, But yeah, I I would wanna sort of like break language down to its most fundamental pieces and while I realized, like, here we are talking about visual novels and how great they are at character, here I am talking about the mechanics as mechanics. But, you know, that, that's, that's how my brain works anyway.
0: Yeah, it sounds kind of like the, um, the game you were talking about earlier about, you know, trying to get the aliens to not Tarantino you too yeah. badly.
2: <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Steve, do you have any, any any secret video game ideas out there?
1: Maybe, but I can't
0: reveal them right now. <laughs> <laughs> Not on
1: this
0: platform. All right, we'll, we'll leave it for off hour, off <laughs> off air hours, which I feel, I feel we've, I feel, feel like we've come to here. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign off. I think, but uh, yeah, super, super interesting. I I do want to talk more about AI or I or whatever when we, when we're a bit deeper into it. And yeah, send me the questions or, or whatever like points at which you you want to particularly focus on so i can try to um yeah,
1: listen, make- i think that they're a bit meaningless but it was just like wait why was that even in the game like yeah. it, it's it's nothing like plot related like again it's it's fairly insignificant issues but again i'm just like wait what like what why does he
0: yeah, could be could be worth looking at yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely worth at least uh, talking about, especially if it's not, like, something that would otherwise jump out at me, probably, so. Yeah, yeah. all right. Oh, <laughs> well, cool, and I think it looks like we need to do a uh, a time discussion at some point as, like, a special topic.
2: Sibió